The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. We're coming to you a little bit earlier in the week than normal because we've got a Thursday night football game to chat about. And joining me in just a minute to give us the inside scoop on what's going on with the Minnesota Vikings is Tyler Ireland, writer for the Daily Norseman, the SB Nation Vikings site. We spoke to him just a few weeks ago as we were taking a look at some of the, um, some of the playoff teams in the NFC from last year. And, and what they could do here in 2023. And the Vikings had a rough start to their season in week one. So we'll get uh, in touch with Tyler here in just a second to find out what happened in their season opening loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I'm also just going to kind of review why week one in the NFL is kind of weird and generally you shouldn't take anything grandiose out of it. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about the Aaron Rodgers news out for the season with a torn Achilles. Lots to get to here on this edition of Eye on the Enemy. But first, I do want to get right to our guest because, look, this is a big game coming up. Thursday night football, Eagles against the Vikings in this same spot last year, week two. It was on Monday night football, but Kirk Cousins and the Vikings came into Lincoln Financial Field and the Eagles put a whooping on them. And so uh, it's an interesting spot for these two teams to meet once again. And joining me to break this game down is Tyler Ireland, as I mentioned just a second ago, a writer for the Daily Norseman, the SB Nation Vikings site. Tyler, thanks for coming back on Eye on the Enemy. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, yourself? Doing doing okay. I think um, as Eagles fans are wont to do, uh, we get a little wrapped around the axle. Even They say that in, in Philly Talk Radio, and I think the same applies to, to Philadelphia sports podcasting, that there's nothing better than an Eagles win in which they didn't play all that well. <laughs> because you have a lot to talk about, but you don't have to grouse about the fact that you lost. And so it's kind of the best of both worlds. And so for Eagles fans, we're in heaven right now because it was not a clean win for the Eagles last week, but we got the W. Now for the Vikings, on the other hand, not a clean week. And you guys didn't end up on the right side of things, falling to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 20-17 to at home. And as I as I watched a little bit of the game um, over the last couple of days, kind of get previewing the, the game in my mind, it seemed to me that the Vikings had a lot of moving the ball between the 30s but really um it was an issue with turnovers that really that really hurt them specifically with Kirk Cousins in the first half am I right yeah I I don't think we executed very well in critical moments and I think that's ultimately what you know lost us that game like you know we had uh our right guard Ed Ingram basically run into Kirk you know 
fumble the ball, just botch snaps, just execution things that, you know, really need to be cleaned up that had that not happened, we probably would have won. There was also a special teams play as well, where it was like fourth and five Tampa's going for the field goal. And one of our guys, rookie Jay Ward is offsides or something along those lines. And they ended up finishing that drive with a touchdown. And so you look at plays like that, where the margin for error is just so small and, you know, you, you want those plays back. But personally, I thought it was a, it was a close game throughout. I mean, Tampa, yeah. They're not like an elite defensive team by any stretch of the imagination, but they're they're not slouches. I mean, Todd Bowles is a good defensive coach in my mind, and uh, I thought Baker played well. But then also, I thought our defense was this game was a lot better than a lot of last season under Ed Donatel. You moved to Brian Flores and Madison. Surprisingly, you know, ran efficiently, you know, more efficiently than Dalvin Cook did last season too. So. There were some things that were positives that you can sort of reflect upon and some negatives, but it's just a, it's a shoulda, woulda, coulda. And now you're heading into a short week against a Philly team that was damn good last season. Yeah. And, and we'll see if that remains to be the case. I mean, all indications are from the roster that the Eagles will continue to be damn good, but um, we'll kind of see how that plays out. You mentioned um, running the ball efficiently. I, I didn't, again, I didn't get, I watched, you know, kind of like a condensed game version of the thing, but um, looking at the numbers and looking at what I saw 14 carries by running backs last week for 34 total yards. How much did the Vikings commit to the running game? It seemed like it was pretty much a pass happy affair. Yeah, um, they, they kind of went away from the run a little bit. Um, they got the play calling kind of got cute on third and shorts. Or like, you, you really wish they would just hand the ball off to Madison in those situations. But, you know, you come out with like a, a jet sweep or something along those lines. And you're just making it way more difficult than it needed to be. Um, yeah. yeah, I... Some of those play calls by Kevin O'Connell really had me questioning things. Like a lot of the those tight end screens did not work at all. And it's just you really wish they would have run the ball in those third and short situations more often. I'm gonna stay on the Vikings offense right now. And I think one of the one of the matchups that plays in to your favor is the tight end TJ Hawkinson against uh, what is clearly gonna be an inexperienced group of linebackers and safeties. The middle of the field was gashed by Mac Jones and the Patriots last week. Should I be more worried about that or the wide receiver duo of um, who's the rookie that you got going along with Justin Jefferson? The name Jordan Justin, Addison. That's right, Jordan Addison. I got it right here in front of me. Jordan Addison and Justin Jefferson up against uh, uh, Darius Slay and Josh Job. It looks like we'll be getting the start probably as we're recording this. Uh, James Bradbury is in the concussion protocol, and with it being a Thursday night game, even if he doesn't have one, it still might take him that amount of time in order to get through the protocol. Yeah, if I were an Eagles fan, I'd probably worry a little bit more about the tight end situation. Um, obviously there's TJ Hawkinson and, you know, the group of inexperienced linebackers that you guys are going to be trotting out there, but also Josh Oliver played very well. in, in the limited amount of times he caught the ball, excellent blocker. Um, so they're going to be trotting out a lot of those two tight end sets. And I wouldn't necessarily be concerned about Addison simply because of his snap count. I mean, KJ Osborne is still the starter opposite Jefferson, even though Addison probably deserves it a little bit more. Um, 
it's just early into the season and it's veteran uh, favoritism there. Hmm. But no, Addison's a really good player. And, you know, I know a lot of Vikings fans, myself included, are excited to, you know, see him progress and get more snaps. But I don't think it's something you guys are going to have to worry about this early into the season. Yeah, I, I think if I'm going to get beat somewhere, it's going to be in the middle of the field by tight ends because you're generally speaking not giving up the big play there. Whereas, and Justin Jefferson seemed like he did a lot of his damage over the middle. So I can see a lot of crossers, a lot of slants, a lot of that kind of stuff happening to try and, you know, Eagles cornerbacks, they're going to try and funnel guys into the middle of the field. That's just kind of the way the defenses, Vic Fangio style defense are designed. Um, but uh, with Josh Job into the mix here, he's totally an unknown. I mean, we saw him in, we saw him this summer, but we have no idea what we're going to get from him if he does end up having to start. So um, it could be a very interesting day with Justin Jefferson. Remember the matchup last year of Jefferson versus Darius Slay. Uh, Slay got got on the on the uh, better end of that, but Jefferson looks st- still like an, an elite player, and Darius Slay had a really good first week. Um, I don't know. Who, who has... I think they're going to match up Slay on Jefferson pretty much throughout the game. Do you, do you like Justin Jefferson to get a little bit of revenge here in this game, or could you see Darius Slay shutting him down again? I could see both happening. Um... It depends on your safety play because there's just going to be reps where Jefferson's going to beat Slay, mm-hmm. and there's going to be reps where Slay's going to beat Jefferson. But if they're able to double him effectively, you know, you guys have a good shot at shutting him down more so than a lot of other teams. I don't know what your safety situation is like. It's not good. I've also heard <laughs> murmurs from some Eagles fans I've talked to over the past couple of days that just the offensive and defensive play calling is not nearly as good as it was last year. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if there's like an adjustment period there or if there's a significant switch in scheme, but you know, that matchup is certainly what I'm looking at is like, you know, if Jefferson's able to consistently get open, we have a good shot at winning. Um, I I would still say like the Eagles are probably going to win this game. Vikings are going to fall to 0 two just because of our interior offensive line is terrible right now and you guys got Mm. Jalen Carter and I don't know why a league allowed you to get him (laughs) Uh, yeah Yeah. and Jordan Davis uh, played phenomenally too last week and Fletcher Cox it was a it was quite a game for the for the Eagles defensive tackles up front yeah it's um not looking forward to that um I'm worried that the Eagles are gonna stay in nickel a ton and just be like we can beat this Vikings offensive line with four guys and four guys only and just play coverage and still get pressure. I think mm-hmm. that's my big concern. Um, so we'll, think, we'll see yeah. what happens. I, I think that's what Sean Desai would want to do. I think he's I think he's going to blitz a little bit more than Jonathan Gannon did last year, but I, I think what you're saying is probably correct. I think they want to have Avante Maddox on the field as much as possible with Josh Joe being out there. You know, Maddox just provides a little bit more stability at cornerback and, and can potentially, if any of these guys line up in the slot, you can have Avante there. So um, that that's a good call by you. And I, I just in, in watching Kirk Cousins, outside of the turnovers, 33 of 44 for 344 yards, two touchdowns, a 102.8 rating. I thought he looked pretty good. Uh, but now you've got the push-pull of you know Kirk Cousins' ability, but Kirk Cousins playing in a nationally televised football Football game the the rap on him is that he doesn't do quite so well uh, and we saw last year when he went into philadelphia it was kind of a, a rough go uh, on on national tv um let's uh, quickly switch it up and, and let's talk about what the vikings defense is going to do with this eagles offense and last like you said last year this offense was prolific um 
it was kind of real. You were talking about the play calling, Brian Johnson's play calling and the personnel usage. Having Rashad Penny uh, as a healthy scratch last week was mystifying to Eagles fans. I thought the whole reason they went and got all those guys was to have Penny and Swift and Gainwell sharing touches. And it was the Gainwell show uh, as they were really run heavy and stagnant early in the game. And I just there's a part of me that's a little bit concerned that this is going to take a few weeks for Jalen Hurts and the offensive line and the running backs and everybody to kind of get on board and for Brian Johnson to get into kind of a flow here. How good is Minnesota's defense? How, how, how much resistance can they put up against an Eagles unit that didn't look like it was hitting on all cylinders last week? They can put up a fair amount of resistance. They're not going to be a shutdown defense against the Eagles offense, but Flores is going to blitz a lot. He's going to have three safeties out there as much as he can. You know, Harrison Smith, Cam Bynum, and Josh Metellus. Interestingly enough, Scene hasn't played hardly at all into his second year. He's recovering from that injury. He is healthy, but I think it's just one of those things where his play recognition is not quite there yet, so they're trying to ease him along and get him involved with special teams. But a lot of blitzing by Flores, a lot of free safety looks. Um, I think if we can uh, get you guys in third and long, we've got a decent chance to just I think what the Eagles do so well offensively is just you know, ball control it's mm-hmm. like we're going to go for it on fourth down we're going to QB sneak, we're just going to prevent your offense from scoring but if you're able to you know, stop the run for Philly then just kind of force Jalen Hurts into some passing situations, I think it would be a lot easier to stop you guys. Um, But it will still be difficult. I'll tell you, the one thing that we saw last week, and I don't know if this is going to carry forward into future weeks, but it just didn't seem like Jalen Hurts wanted to take off and and run. He didn't really want to be the the dynamic runner that he was a year ago, and that's probably just out of self-preservation to start off the season. My guess is as the the season wears on, uh, you might see him do that a little bit more, but he did look jittery in the pocket. That's what was one of the reasons they had all those third and longs last week. You can't QB sneak from third and seven, um, which, you know, I mean, you've got to be really good at that in order to make that in order to make that work and so i think that's the key and the eagles last year one of one of the few achilles heels they had on offense was handling the blitz and so um that was something that reared its head in the game last week the patriots did a good job blitzing blitzing the eagles and i I don't think we're going to see as as uneven a performance from the steelers off the eagles offensive line here um in in week number two and I, again, looking at the at the wide receiver cornerback matchup here, when, when you've got AJ Brown and you've got Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard there, you know, can can the can the Vikings, if if the Eagles give Jalen Hurts a little bit of time, is there do they have enough to slow those guys down? I think Goddard will be a big part of your guys's game plan because our linebackers aren't great either. Um, I know undrafted free agent Ivan Pace has looked really good, and he's getting a lot of us uh, snaps but other than that you've got a veteran in jordan hicks and a second year player in Asamoah who was drafted in like i think the third round fourth round you know there's not a lot of pedigree there um i think um and our corners played okay last week um like evans did a decent job and we've got byron murphy now but it it's a defense that you can probably exploit, but they're going to at least put up a good fight because they're, they're just going to be super aggressive. 
Well, last year in week two, in this same spot, it was Jalen Hurts' coming out party on uh, the 24-7 Eagles win. That actually, as I look back, it feels like it was a, a bigger disparity in the score than it actually was. But uh, Hurts went 26-31 for 333. He ran the ball 57, uh, 57 yards, uh, two touchdowns. That one big touchdown run where he bowled over a bunch of Minnesota defenders. It's one of the highlights from last season. And so um, Eagles fans certainly looking for a repeat performance. How do you see things shaking out on Sunday? What's your prediction? I've got the Eagles winning. Um, I'm saying that out of shame because I want the Vikings <laughs> to win, but I think they just go 0-2 here, short week on the road at Lincoln Financial Field. That being said, I've got a few Eagles on my fantasy team uh, with Goddard and uh, Smith, so I'm at least selfishly hoping they do well. Um, yeah, I, I don't think we really get on track until week three, the earliest against the Chargers. It's... The Vikings have never done well against teams with good interior defensive lines, and you're facing one that's arguably better than Tampa Bay's. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say it's impossible for the Vikings to win this game. You maybe got like a 30% chance of that happening, but if I'm a betting man, I'm, I'm taking Philly. All right. Well, we'll see how things shake out on Thursday night at Lincoln Financial Field. And uh, folks, make sure that you're reading everything that uh, Tyler Ireland is doing over at the Daily Norseman by following him on Twitter at Tyler Ireland NFL. Tyler, thanks for coming back on Eye on the Enemy. I appreciate it, man. All right. Thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Well, it should be noted that week one in the NFL is often kind of weird. All right, different things happen in week one. What happens in week one sometimes, oftentimes, does not necessarily reflect what's going to happen for the rest of the season, especially in an era when we don't ask the starters to play preseason games. There was a time when you had four preseason games that the starters would get the first quarter in the first game. They might get the first two quarters in the second game. They might play the first three quarters of the third game, and then they would rest in the fourth game and wouldn't play at all. And now you don't see starters unless you're a rebuilding team or there are players that you need to get some answers for. But even last year when we kind of wanted some more answers about Jalen Hurts, he didn't sniff any of the preseason games. And of course, now we play three preseason games with a ludicrous 17-game regular season schedule. But I think part of what you see in week one with some of these teams is the fact that you don't see the starters. You don't see the units as a whole working together in these preseason games. Now, teams have 
gone about organizing these practices against other teams, and they say that those are even an even better indication of what your guys can do. It helps you evaluate your players better than in a preseason game, but I still think there's something to be said, and Nick Sirianni seemed to indicate this in his press conference, one of his press conferences um, as the week got started, that he might change that a little bit. He might ask his starters to play in a preseason game just to kind of knock some of the rust off. And to me, that's what a lot of their opening their opening week win feels like a loss, but their opening opening week win over the Patriots felt like. It just seemed like everybody was kind of rusty. It seemed like the offensive line was rusty. Uh, they were working against a good defense, and it should be noted that Bill Belichick had all offseason to prepare what was last year the number three defensive unit, according to DVOA, for this one game, for Jalen Hurts, for what the Eagles would do. And the Eagles still came out on top. They managed to do enough. They moved the ball in between the 30s well enough to get Jake Elliott close enough to hit all those field goals, and they got the one touchdown, they got the the pick six, and they they did enough in week one. So if you're going to struggle in week one against a a decent opponent on the road, to come out with a win is a win in the NFL. Wins are hard to come by, so you have your struggles and you come out with a 1-0 record. And as we, we found out, you know, listening to Tyler talk about the Vikings, that can go the other direction. You can come out slow and rusty and uh, commit some turnovers early in the game and, and never be able to recover. But opening weeks in the NFL, generally speaking, are weird. You know, and I wrote about this for Bleeding Green Nation this week. Jalen Hurts didn't look like himself. The offensive line didn't look like himself. We obviously have some issues at linebacker and safety. There are obviously some injury concerns coming into this week. I talked about them a little bit with Tyler uh, just a few moments ago, but they're going to have a really an uninspiring linebacking and safety group uh, at uh, in the in the middle of the field. And even when you had the starters there last week, it didn't it didn't look so great. But Last year, in week one, we saw some things that didn't necessarily translate to the rest of the season. The 49ers, in week one of last year, lost to the Chicago Bears 19-10 to on a rainy, windy day in Chicago. Right, Trey Lance was the quarterback. He blew an early 10-0 lead, but that Bears team was awful. The 49ers had no business losing that game. But the 49ers came out sluggish, and they lost. Also last year, the Dallas Cowboys got destroyed by Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks, 19-3. It was a game in which the offense played so poorly that fans booed and threw trash at Dak Prescott as he was heading back to the locker room after suffering an injury. Remember, he got hurt in that game. Cooper Rush had to come in. But both of those teams went to the playoffs, finished with very good records. They were very good teams last year. The 49ers went all the way to the NFC Championship game. Also in week one of last year, Carson Wentz and the Commanders beat Doug Peterson and the Jaguars 28 to 22. I don't think I have to remind you how those teams and those players and that coach finished th- finished things up last season. And last week, the last year, the Eagles in week one beat the Lions in a 38-35 nail biter. Um, that went unexpectedly. The Vikings took down a Packers team. The Packers were picked to win the North by most folks. Aaron Rodgers was still there, but the Vikings won that game. And the Giants went into the number one seed in the AFC and and got a 21-20 victory on the road. So some things do come to fruition in week one. Sometimes teams can flash and sometimes they don't. And in week one this week, we saw the 49ers and the Cowboys play extremely well. The Cowboys defense looks very scary. Uh, I don't know, but I don't know, are the Giants that bad? Or was it just a a bad week one? The Giants 
I think everybody's expecting them to get back to the playoffs this year to improve off of what they did last year under Brian Dable. That was a disaster. Now, was that Chicago's defense was just simply that good? I hope not. (laughs) I hope that wasn't the case. You hope that Dallas's defense isn't so overwhelmingly good that an admittedly not as great Giants offense as the Eagles struggled that badly against them, but 40 to nothing at home? I hope that's not an indication of how good the Cowboys are this year. The 49ers blasted the Steelers 30-7. to Those are good teams, and they played well in Week 1. Good for them. I think the Eagles are a very good team. They didn't play as well in Week 1, but they still won. Good for them. But look what else happened around the league. Do we really believe that the Browns, despite their 24-3 win, are better than the Bengals? Are we ready to say that the Raiders... And their 17-16 to win means that they're going to finish ahead of the Broncos. And certainly the Seahawks will have a better record than the Rams by the end of the season, despite losing 30-13 to at home. Now, could all of those results hold up this season? Sure, but the odds are better that many of these results were anomalous. Okay, so while you do have the 49ers and Cowboys coming out strong, you have some of these other teams that surprised expected playoff teams in week one. It doesn't necessarily mean if we look back to last year, and I'm sure if we went back into previous seasons, 2021, 2020, 2019, 2018, we'd see the same thing. The point is week one of the NFL season is weird, especially in this modern NFL when players aren't playing in preseason games. In many cases, the results are outliers. You have teams with new coordinators like the Eagles, teams with new coaches that can struggle to find their rhythm. And this, again, was essentially their first real game action of the season for Hurts in the offensive line and the running backs. And I think the Eagles didn't, I don't know, maybe they didn't have a great game plan for their personnel usage. I don't know why Rashad Penny's on the healthy scratch list. The whole reason you got them was to have a four-headed running back, to have those three guys. Why you decided to make it the Kenny Gainwell show was is, is kind of fascinating to everybody. Why you decided to use Justin Evans as your as your starter, like every down, in the secondary was mystifying. So maybe this was the Birds preseason game. And if, if you got away with it with a win, great. And you get the Vikings here on, on a Thursday night game where the Eagles, unfortunately, are going to be dealing with some injuries. At the time I'm recording this, we still don't know exactly what the injury designations are, but you're likely, you're not getting N'Kobe Dean. James Bradbury is in the concussion protocol. It's unlikely he'll clear in time to play Thursday night. Uh, and then we don't know about some of the other guys with rib issues like Fletcher Cox. Um you know, some of the, uh, it's just, it's kind of a lot of that stuff is up in the air. So provided the birds don't get decimated by injuries this year, I think they're going to be fine. And I asked a poll, rate your level of concern after their week one win over the Patriots. More than half of you, 54% of over 2000 votes said that you have on a scale of one to 10, you're in the four to six range. Some concerning stuff, but you're cautiously optimistic. A quarter of you are in the zero to 3% range. No worries. They'll be fine. All right, so that's 79% of you. Eight in 10 of you are from like zero to six, you know, on the on the more positive side. 19% of you, two in 10, are at seven to eight. That wasn't good. New coordinators, injuries, linebackers, safety issues. I'm kind of worried. That's where 19% of you are. And then just 2% of you are at full-scale panic mode. Nine out of, uh, either a nine or a 10. It's got 39 votes. It's a new year, tougher schedule, roster isn't as deep, I'm super worried. That's where 2% of you are. So it doesn't sound like most of you are all that concerned about the Eagles and where they are after one week. But um, 
I, I think that I have a I have a small level of concern. I'm probably at around a two or a three right now on a scale of one to ten because I still do believe in the talent level of this team. But every year is different. We said it over and over again during the course of the offseason. The Eagles might be a better team on paper this year and might struggle more because their schedule is tougher and because things went really, really well for them last year. All right, last thing before we wrap up. We got to talk about the Aaron Rodgers torn Achilles. And I'm sorry, I got to say... Everybody should have seen this coming. I think I even said this after the Jets signed him. He's 39 years old. He's clearly in the sunset of his career. And it's certainly surprising the severity of the injury that he had and the timing in which it happened at four plays into the season. I mean, three on his third drop back. And if you, if you watch the replay, it's really disgusting. You can see the moment the Achilles snaps. It's just brutal. But this is the risk you run when you pin your hopes to a fading quarterback who did not have a good year last year. I know everybody thought he was going to be the savior and take the Jets to the Super Bowl. And I think you look at the rest of the roster, especially defensively, they've got enough pieces to get to the Super Bowl in a super competitive AFC. And I get why the Jets went in this direction. They really didn't have a whole lot of other options available to them. They, they needed to get in that AFC a quarterback capable of of winning playoff games and getting to a Super Bowl. Now, never mind the fact Aaron Rodgers hasn't gotten to a Super Bowl since 2010. It's currently the year 2023. It's been 2010 since the last time he went to a Super Bowl. That all being said, I get why they did that, but no one should be surprised. Everyone should have seen this coming. This is not a guy in the prime of his career at this point. Um, but it does it does really hurt the Jets, no doubt about it. This is This is one of the more crushing player injuries I think we've ever seen in the NFL because now you downgrade to Zach Wilson and maybe you're trying to bring in another veteran quarterback to be the backup to your backup. Carson Wentz, Nick Foles' names are both out there from everything that we're reading and uh, no Tom Brady. Tom says he's not coming out of retirement to go play for the Jets. All this talk now about also getting rid of artificial turf because the turf being blamed for this and sure, why not? It probably had something to do with it. There should not be artificial turf in professional sports in any way, shape, or form. I think we learned that a long time ago, but you know, teams want to do the cost-effective thing, and maintaining a turf is certainly cheaper than maintaining a grass field. And we've seen like a financial field can get ripped up at times, depending on how much is being done on it. So I get it, but you got to get rid of artificial turf in the NFL. It's just, it's a brutal, brutal thing to play on here. Uh, but Brandon Lee Gowton had an interesting article uh, about how this affects the Eagles, and, and it does affect the Eagles. Um, the Eagles will face the Jets this year at MetLife Stadium in week six. So if we're going up against Zach Wilson, you feel a lot better about taking on the Jets there um, in week six. If, if, if Zach Wilson is under center, then if Aaron Rodgers is under center, of course, it's, it couldn't have waited an extra week because the Dallas Cowboys get the Jets in week two. So that would have been... That would have been nice if, it, if they could have waited uh, like an extra week for him to tear his Achilles, but if not, but unfortunately, no. And it's possible that the uh, the Jets may go out and get somebody else. You know, it's Nick Foles, Carson Wentz are out. Joe Flacco is another name that's out there. Why not? I still don't understand. Maybe Matt Ryan is really just retired and he doesn't want to play anymore. Um, but uh, it does seem as though Zach Wilson is the guy for a little while. Um, yeah, the Cowboys are, I think, seven and a half point home favorites 
uh, to go to two and zero to take on the Jets here. So um, it's going to every every team within the division that was going to play the Jets will benefit from Aaron Rodgers being out. The Cowboys and and the Eagles. I think the Eagles maybe a little bit more because they're going on the road uh, to take on the Jets in this particular case. But we'll see whether or not Zach Wilson is still the quarterback of the Jets, and let's see how Zach Wilson plays. Maybe maybe he's better. <laughs> this year who knows but um it's zach wilson's job right now and he has a chance to prove himself with a very good roster around him maybe he can brock purdy that thing uh and take the jets uh, on a little bit of a run here in the regular season but i think the odds are um stacked against him finishing the season as the starting quarterback at least to, to last throughout the, the entire rest of these next 16 games as the jets starter all right everybody let me give you my prediction before we wrap up this edition of the podcast i have on paper, this is a game the Eagles should win. They have the the the, the matchup advantage pretty much everywhere on the field. Um, something about this game is not sitting well with me. I think the injuries are a part of it. Uh, Jalen Hurts' performance last week, I don't know that he's necessarily going to snap out of it right away in week two. It seems as though there may be a rocky part of of the season here with uh, Brian Johnson as the offensive coordinator, maybe maybe more so than I was expecting. I'd like to believe that last week was their preseason game and that they were working out some of the kinks in that first game. Um, but I don't, if I'm going to go with my heart, I don't, I don't feel good about this game for Philadelphia. I don't feel good about this game for the Eagles. Uh, and I should tell you that, the only times in NFL history, in, in Eagles history, when they've started two and zero, they've they've either gone to the Super Bowl, <laughs> or they've they've finished with a where they've missed the playoffs entirely. So one of the two things has to happen if they beat the Vikings. Or if they go one and one, it's not it's not the end of the world. But this is the supposed easy part of the schedule. These first five games here, and you want to get as many wins under your belt here in these first five games as you can. Now you got Lincoln Financial Field. It's Kirk Cousins in prime time. You got home field advantage. The, the, the Eagles really don't lose at home very much at all anymore. Even when they're not playing great, they they generally speaking uh, maintain their home field advantage. I. I feel very uneasy about this game just simply because of Jalen Hurts' will to win and the talent disparity. And I, I don't think they're going to play as poorly. I'll tell you, watching Kirk Cousins tear up the middle of the Buccaneers defense with TJ Hawkinson and some of the wide receivers on crossing routes. And like, I don't know how they match up there with uh, James Bradbury out. Josh Job might be the most important player on the field. Uh, for the Eagles defense uh, coming up this week. And if Job can kind of handle it, then they've got a real good shot. But I'm I'm very worried about Kirk Cousins putting up big numbers. It's a real battle here. Kirk Cousins in primetime versus Kirk Cousins against the Eagles. Cousins has always played really well against the Eagles with the exception of last year on Monday Night Football. So what will win out? I'm really torn here. This is like a 55-45 proposition for me. I think the line is high. I think this is a close game. I think this is a field goal game. I think I will say the Eagles pull it out. I'm not I'm not prepared to say the Eagles are going to lose to this Vikings team that I don't think is very good. I don't think they're going to lose the home opener, but I think it's going to be rocky. I think it's going to be another unsettling week of football. And I think it's going to be a few weeks before the Eagles are really humming on all cylinders. I will say that I think this thing turns out to be something in the neighborhood of 27-24 uh, 
Eagles come out on top. And I think it's going to be, I think it could be a little bit of an ugly matchup here on Thursday night, just simply because these two teams, it's second week of the season and Thursday night. I think the Eagles have the advantage on the short week playing at home against Minnesota, having to come into Philadelphia on the short week. Uh, But we'll see how things play out. Sometimes playing on Thursday night can negate an inherent advantage one team may have over the other in terms of talent, just simply because both teams are kind of beat up. Um, But the weather should be nice. It should be a good night for football on Thursday night. And I'll say the Eagles win 27 to 24. But I will tell you, I don't feel at all good about it. The only thing preventing me from picking the Vikings to win is I don't think I could live with myself if the Vikings won and the Eagles lost. But again, this is like 55-45 for me. Do not feel super confident in this pick at all. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. And we are locked locked and loaded here uh, on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed in terms of the podcast coming your way this week. So make sure that you're telling everybody about us. catching all the shows we have coming at you. And then we're going to have a long week after Thursday night to kind of analyze what we've seen through the first two weeks of the season. So stick with us uh, for post-game analysis and all that good stuff at the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time right here on Eye on the Enemy.